come on, it's beautiful. So I we're studying. We're studying. We're studying Tirumah. If you want to see everything in the Mishkan, how it looks, there is a book called the Mishkan made by Art Scroll, which is a perfect book. You practically don't even have to read. You don't have to carry a chumash because they have the psukim in there, and they show you layer by layer how everything in the Mishkan looked, all the nuances about the hooks hanging on to the curtains and this and that, which you probably didn't even know what was going on. They explain it in detail and with accuracy, and it's a very, very, very good book. Uh, you could learn all about the Mishkan that way. We have it here. I could maybe I could go get it and show it to you. I want to discuss a little bit about the significance of the Mishkan. We've spoken about the Mishkan on a philosophical way before, but I think that's that's the main um, the main focus that I want to bring in the ten minutes that we're going to discuss the parasha. So. Just for a little bit of context, B'nai Israel were at Har Sinai. They just received the fundamentals of the Torah. They received the Ten Commandments and they received the Mishpatim. All of that was given to them either by God or Moshe. They then turned that, those laws into a book called the Sefer Abberit. They made the covenant on the Sefer Abberit. Kol Asher Diber Everything that God said we're going to do and we will heed. Right after they finish at the mountain, the Torah shifts its focus to the construction of the Mishkan. So the first classic question is what in the world, why is there a, is the topic of the Mishkan being brought up all of a sudden? Aren't we at the mountain? Why, why don't we continue with the story of the mountain? So there are three potential answers. Three potential answers. One answer is that because now that we have the Sefer Abirit, where are we going to keep the Luchot Abirit and the Sefer Abirit? Well, we're going to keep it in Aaron. We're going to keep it in the Mishkan. And for that reason, we need to learn about the housing place for the Sefer Abirit and for the Divir Abirit, right? And for the, and for the Luchot Abirit. And that's the Aaron. And in the context of talking about the Aaron, it talks about the entire Mishkan where the Aaron is housed. Second answer is brought by the Ramban, and that is that the Mishkan, the Mishkan actually serves a specific role, and that is to remind us of Har Sinai. Because if you look at the details of the Mishkan, there are two very, very, very important things that happen in the Mishkan that also happened at Har Sinai. One is that at Har Sinai, we were not allowed to approach the mountain. And do you know who is allowed to approach the Kodash Kodashim? Only the only the Kohen Gadot on one day a year. So there is a very similar concept of blocking the approach of the people to the Mishkan and Har Sinai. And two, and number two, is there's another similarity between the Mishkan and Har Sinai. And that is that God's cloud rests upon the, uh, upon the Mishkan when it is all done. Very similar to Har Sinai, in which God's cloud rests upon the mountain. And not only that, that cloud that has God's presence or God's Shekhinah speaks to Moshe through the Mishkan. In the Kodesh Kodashim is where Moshe gets his Nebuot. Very similar to on top of the mountain that Moshe was able to get his Nebuot from the mountain. So the Ramban in a very compelling way points out that the Mishkan is a portable Har Sinai. And it enables Bnei Israel to maintain their centrality of focus on the divine even as they part, uh, depart from the mountain.
very, very compelling Ramban. I think it's definitely the Peshat. And it's telling Bnei Israel, don't think that this Har Sinai event is a, is a one-time event and just forget about it. There needs to be a way in which you carry the Har Sinai experience constantly, constantly. constantly in your midst. Otherwise, we are human and we forget. Okay? Now, the third reason why Parshat Terumah would be here is actually not because of what we saw prior, but it's because of what we're going to see later. What did we, what's going to happen as Moshe, Moshe just went up to the mountain for 40 days, 40 nights, to go and bring down the Luchot, right? What is going to happen as he's up there? They're going to build the, the, the golden calf. Bnei Israel are going to build the golden calf. Wow. Right, they're going to build the golden calf. So that's going to happen as Moshe is coming down. Now, what is going to be the solution to the golden calf? It's to, to have a place where you can go and Mishkan. be with Hashem. And the Mishkan was kind of like a solution to the golden calf. Because Bnei Israel are saying, we needed Moshe to be, to, to be between us and Hashem. And we needed to have some, we needed to have some visible cues of Borei Olam's existence. And we need something more concrete. And Moshe goes up in the mountain and he's in this cloud that has fire on it. Okay, Moshe must have died. He's gone. And Bnei Yisrael say, we've lost it. We have no more, we don't have any more, uh, uh, we don't have any more connection to God. So Bnei Yisrael being trained in Egypt still, because they're only a, two, a month and a half, even less, a month and a half departed from Egypt, right? They are trained in the, in the visible cues as being the all, because if you remember, all the gods in Egypt are what? They're all nature gods. Yes. They're all physical things that you could see. Yes. So for B'nai Israel to make the leap to a god that's completely invisible and completely very behind difficult. the scenes is very difficult. So all of a sudden, B'nai Israel, they lapse. And they lapsed into doing the Abu Dazarah, the golden calf. So Parshat Tirumah is, is, is preempting that part of the story so that we know that before B'nai Israel did the sin, we already had, there was already a solution to that part of their psyche which was pro became problematic. And that is that the Mishkan would help them in avoiding the sin of the golden cap by giving them a kosher way in which they could actually engage their physical senses and see God's Shekhinah and to some extent. So that's in terms of the placement of Parashat Tirumah. But now I want to focus on the construction. Not on the details of the construction, but what it means that Bnei Israel built the Mishkan. Okay? Because if you think about it, this isn't the first time Bnei Israel built something. When was the other time Bnei Israel were engaged in a construction project? Since they came out from Israel? Well, since Bnei Israel came out of Egypt, this is definitely the first time yes. they are building anything. Yes, I mean, in the In Egypt. In Egypt, Bnei Israel had already constructed things. Yes, they did, what the, did they build? The pyramids, they, everything for the they built the pyramids for the Egyptians. At Piton, at Ramses, who do you think was the slave the labor? Who did all, all that? That was all Bnei Israel. That was the slave labor. And this gets us to the question of, of creativity and construction amongst humans. Because when Borei Olam created us, when Borei Olam created us, he gave us this ability to create as well. He gave us this ability. He 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 gave us this divine spark. Because we have we have a, a and we have, we have a, Hashem within us, so that gives us a level of creativity. That divine spark enables us to create animals. Or find an animal that has built anything other than a than a than a nest, right? 
and find an animal that's built a rocket. There's no such thing because humans have given the have been given the creativity, the divine creativity, to be able to build. So we take it for granted, but building in the Torah is actually a major theme, because building and creativity is actually the way in which we manifest our humanity. But there is a problem with construction projects in general, and that is, what could be the potential problem with construction projects? Well, well, no, whenever we... <laughs> yes, they're expensive. No, the, the, the potential problem with construction projects is that because they point to our ability to be like God, to create like God, sometimes what happens in our constructing? We forget God. We forget God. And we see our great construction projects not as something that is pointing to Hashem, not as something that represents God, but as something that represents our own greatness. And you think I'm making this up or I'm trying to get uh, build this theme out of thin air, but this is actually a very, very major theme in the Torah. Where have we seen the theme of the dangers of construction and creativity in the Torah? We have seen this before. There was a case in which people were engaged yeah, in construction. The Tower of Babel. Now what was the purpose of the Tower of Babel? Do you remember what the people... That was the Midrash. But what did the people say in the Pasuk of the Tower of Babel? They said, And we will make for ourselves a name. We will make for ourselves a name. How did the Chachamim get to the point at which they said this construction project was a rebellion against God? They never said it was a rebellion against God. The reason the Chachamim said that is because the intent of the construction project of Bavel was purely for self-congratulation. It was purely for the grandeur of the city. Let us build a city and a tower with its head to the heavens to make for ourselves a name. And the, pro, the, the reason that's probably And the reason this story comes so early in Bereshit the, the reason this story comes so early in Bereshit Is because the second Borei Olam Gave us this godly ability to create It also creates this test for humanity As to will their creation be served Will, will their ability to create Confuse human beings into thinking that they are gods And that they are to be respected or will they use these creative abilities as a means of recognizing that there is one who is even a greater creator? And that is Borei Olam. So, so in, in, in Babel, in Babel, right, right, Vadai, Vadai, Vadai. It's a very, it's a very, very, very major issue that we all experience in our lives. But we see the Torah talking about it. We just have to be to connect the dots, right? There is a very good connection between the story of Migdal Bavel and the construction of the Mishkan. Now, that's not, Migdal Bavel wasn't the only case in which human beings saw their creative ability and started to think that they are divine or that they are great because of their creative ability. It also happened in Egypt. That was actually the entire, the main issue with Egypt was that Paro tells Bnei Israel to build cities of Pitom and Ramses. Now, what are Pitom and Ramses? These are names of Egyptian pharaohs. Ramses. We know of the pharaoh Ramses. 
Meaning these were construction projects built around the names of these Egyptian pharaohs who thought that they were gods, that they were making these cities for their, for, in order to congratulate themselves and to aggrandize themselves. And that is the fundamental problem with construction and our own creativity in general. And that when we got this ability to create from Borei Olam, we all of a sudden thought that that turns us into gods when really the creativity should actually be used as a means of recognizing God's superior creativity. As opposed to thinking that we are gods because we could create. We have to look at the creativity and recognize that God's creation is even better. So Rabbi Ton said a very beautiful thing on Shabbat and he said, look, a doctor once came to a rabbi and he said, look, Rabbi, I understand you're reading this, uh, this Torah, but you know, it's a 3,000 year old book. Don't you want an upgrade? Don't you want to improve? This is a heart doctor. So then the rabbi goes to the doctor and he says, what car do you drive? A Mercedes. He says, what Mercedes do you drive? I, I drive the most updated model. He said, what, do you, what car are you going to drive next year? I want to get the next Mercedes that they come out with. And he says, you seem to be improving upon the Mercedes that you get every single year. Then he says to the heart doctor, he says, what about the heart? Isn't the heart old fashioned? Why don't we improve upon the heart? Is there anything you would add to the heart? He said, honestly, Rabbi, in all my years of being a heart doctor, I've realized that if you ever modify the heart even slightly, you're going to do more damage than good. You might as well leave the heart as be. You know, if anything, you could open up a clog, which is just letting the heart function as it's supposed to function, but there's no real improvement you can make to the heart. And he said, look, the difference between your Mercedes and the heart is that the heart was made by God. And the Mercedes is made by man. So the Mercedes can always be improved upon because there is always human lacking inherent in the creation. But the heart is made with perfection. And I also believe that the Torah was also made with perfection. So I'm not going to let go of the Torah. There's nothing to improve upon. It's a perfect book because it was written by God. So that was his answer. So now what's the, whole, the, the deeper level of the story? It's that when you compare the constructive abilities of mankind to the perfection of the creation of God, that in and of itself could be a way for you to appreciate God's creation even more. I think we can appreciate the human body a lot more now that we have all these technologies which try fruitlessly to mimic the movements of the human body. Try to make a robot move as smoothly as a human and you recognize the incredible technology that's, in, that's inherent in the human body. Instead of thinking yourself to be a god because you created a robot, you should think about how great God is because he created the human. Yes. Right? And that, that's the fundamental flaw with our creativity and the potential flaw or the potential mistake we make in our creativity is that we forget that, that creativity could point to God. And then here we have the Mishkan which Bnei Yisrael have spent 210 years building a city for another man to turn himself into a god. And for the first time they're, said, they're told, let us now build a sanctuary for God himself. They're using their cre creative ability to make God's name great. That is the ultimate goal of, the of, of our humanness. It's to make God's name great. Not to turn ourselves into God, but to use all of those godlike abilities to make God even higher and more respected. And that's the purpose of the Mishkan. That's the ultimate goal of the Mishkan. Not like Migdal Bavel, it's correcting the Migdal Bavel. Not like Pitom and Ramses, it's correcting that, those Pitom and Ramses. And then finally, the, the, the beautiful end to this whole thing is that on what day do we not build the Mishkan? On Shabbat. On Shabbat. 
Now, why do we stop building the Mishkan on Shabbat? Because by stopping on Shabbat, we are pointing out to the fact that we are building this for you, Borei Olam, and our creative abilities stop at some point. We are saying that we don't build on every single day because there is one day in which we have to pause and focus on the fact that Borei Olam is the ultimate creator. Even while we are in the middle of building and engaging in that godly creativity, we recognize that there is a point at which our creativity stops and Borei Olam is the most ultimate. So even in the process of building the Mishkan and through the process of building the Mishkan, we learn more about the Shabbat. Because Shabbat orients us and all of our weekly activities and all of our creative activities towards focusing on the divine and focusing on Borei Olam. So that's a little bit of the depth of the Mishkan and how it corrects an error that we've seen very on in the Torah with the Tower of Babel. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen. Amen.